Hi guys, welcome to 52 Conversations with me, Janice Howe. Each week, join me for a conversation, a chat, a space for connection, community and change, sharing stories and insights. Sign up for your free 52 Conversations planner and to be the first to experience the latest conversations, visit 52convos.com. Thanks. I really hope you enjoy the episode. Some conversations will be mind-blowing and you'll sit there and you'll have the most profound change. So, hey Jane, 52 Conversations, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Well, I'm looking forward to catching up because it's been a while. In fact, I think the last time I actually saw you in person would be 2009. I know. So I was a, a long time. It's funny. I was I was talking to Louise, Lou, the yeah. other day, and we were like, we should have a reunion sometime. And I was like, yeah, we should. So we should. But anyway, for people that were listening, when we met, I was I was a delegate on a Ericksonian hypnotherapy course in Kendall. That's um, right, and it was wild. It was wild, and there was <laughs> lots of magic that happened there, wasn't there? <laughs> I love, fact, I love the fact that you went straight into that's right <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no it's not me it's my unconscious mind here today Janice yeah. Absolutely. yeah absolutely so for people that don't know you I was I was thinking before gosh how do I how do I even begin to introduce Jay because there's so many superlatives I could use and I thought rather than me doing it why don't you tell people who well, you thank are? you <laughs> because I thought you're gonna ask me this and I, I think oh no because I don't even know myself half the time because it's constantly changing so I think my my summary statement if someone said well, what is it you do in just a couple of words I, I'm a serial specialist so I specialize in being in in a general big way um and so I do lots of things and I think actually that's quite common you know uh, for people like us you know people interested um, in other people and connection and living life to the full and you know before we were pressing the recording button there you know you're talking about being a free spirit and shall I do this and shall I do that life's this big buffet and for me life is that big buffet and if you if you spot something you fancy don't have a nibble you don't like eat it all and then move on to the next thing that takes your fancy and eat it all. And so my list is quite long. I just add to it as I go along. So I'm a writer, I'm a published author, a professional storyteller. I'm an athlete. I've just um, got my vest to represent Ireland in the Aquathlon, the World Aquathlon Championships. There's a bit of a story behind that. Um, I'm a theatre maker and an impresario, uh, a trainer and a coach. Impresario is the one. I, I like that word, impresario. So basically, I write theatre shows. I give myself the starring role in them and then I tour them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I was reminding myself of all the things that you've done earlier. And that's why I was thinking, I'm just going to ask Jane to say, well, this is who I am. Because it's like, this is who you are today. But actually, by the end of the day, you've probably got another thing that you'll have thrown onto that list. Well, I think, you know, it's for me. And I, I think it, it, I don't want to generalise too much, but I think um, it, it's quite common for people to reach a stage in their life where they think, is this really me? This is what I'm supposed to be doing here. Or, have I actually got a purpose? Am I living my best life what it, what is it that my deepest talent that I I obviously haven't discovered yet because yeah. I just feel like there are tracks of possibility around me but I'm just not on a track and I, that happened to me um, when we moved to Northern Ireland so I moved from Scotland to Northern Ireland when my son was just about to start secondary school and had a big choice to make will he have his secondary education in Scotland or am I going to make the leap um, because I was in a long-term relationship with a farmer in Northern Ireland, so he wasn't going to move. So I'm going to make the leap and do it now. So I decided to make the leap and I suddenly realised 
well, hang on a minute, I've just arrived in this really small country. I mean, there are 1.4 million people in it. It's yeah. physically really small and um, it's an island. Um, so there's only certain things and opportunities that were available yeah. to me. And I moved from what felt like a really big life, unbounded, you right. know, lots of possibility of traveling and doing lots of things to a quite a small life. Yeah. And even though I tried lots of new things, I did a little, uh, lots of cross community works and most people will be aware of the political environment here and the political yeah. history. So I needed, to, I felt I needed to really embed myself in my new home and really, learn about the you know the cultural landscape I even doing that I still felt that I was living this small life so I set myself a challenge to have um to do a little adventure every single day to see if I could capture the bigness of adventure in a small place you know even without leaving my kitchen and that was the kind of conscious that was the, the conscious intention but you know Janice that's a great that's a great <laughs> you know we can rationalize all we like that's such a great description though that you kind of and so when you were saying that I was thinking of me going to Antigua which is an even smaller island and then yeah equally the the smallness of that yeah in a completely different way the bigness of that and it's just yeah. what you seek to find when you when you well, smallest I think that small thing it squeezes you into this corner of like boom yeah. you know expansion you know so that the place has to be contained within me rather than the place containing me yeah um and I said so the, I had that conscious intention to adventure every day but I had to somehow get in touch with the compass for what that adventure was and why I would want to be adventuring I suppose if yeah. there were one word that I would use to describe my, myself or the way I live life is you know to adventure so I started by just following an impulse which is exactly what you do so uh, we wouldn't say uh, look before you leap we would leap and then look. and then look at it from a different <laughs> angle because I think when you've leapt it always looks different from you know that falling angle or when you reach the bottom so I was kind of leaping every day and it was random leaping to start with, completely random leaping. Uh, so I, I did things which felt uncomfortable for me, which I didn't know whether I'd be able to do, like break rules. So I, I tried to steal a supermarket trolley. So it, it says on the trolley, this trolley will lock, you know, within yeah. four centimetres of this line. <laughs> and uh, I was always a good girl at school. And even now I'm kind of like reddening up, you know, uh, I, I thought oh, I'm going to try and steal it. So I yeah. went over the line and I think I got about a metre and then it all... Um, locked up and I had to go and you know hand myself in you know oh I've tried to steal a trolley and uh, they, it was hilarious because they said actually no um, that's not proper stealing because uh, <laughs> our usual culprits are in their 80s and they get a lot further you know so this wasn't an unusual thing not good enough at stealing <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I so breaking my own rules you know it was a, it was a big uh, liberating learning but it, it didn't feel like I was on track and it took me about four or five months before I was aware that when ideas came up they had a feeling that went with them and even though I hadn't fleshed out the idea or even hadn't understood what the consequences would be of doing something there was something that was right about the feeling usually quite an expansive energetic positive feeling which I learned to trust and then everything kind of narrowed down. So it did feel like I was on track. I was heading in the right direction, uh, unique to me. And that I began to trust that impulse so that I didn't really need to think about consequences. I trusted that there was a part of me that was had something to offer that I may not have consulted before because I was too used to making conscious, rational decisions and looking at the pros and cons and all the things that you're supposed to do and from there I think the first thing I did uh, so I picked up and I just followed the impulse I was in Tesco's and I picked up a Mills and Boone book or, or Harlequin they're called now I've never read one in my life okay and it was in on the bottom shelf and I by the way I think they should actually be on the top shelf it was absolutely filthy I was like <laughs> coloring up when I was reading it in the garden and it, this was my adventure just to, you know, to read the book. I thought, I don't know why I'm even doing this. No. 
And I got to the end of the book and the impulse came up, well, why don't you write um, some romantic fiction? Well, um, Janice, you've known me long enough to think, well, I'm not probably one of those like romantic people. No, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. So I started writing it and because I thought, how hard can it actually be? How hard can it be? Actually, Janice, it's really hard. If you're not into romantic fiction, it's really hard. By the end of four chapters, I think I'd killed five men and each death got progressively worse and the last one the most spectacular one was a mudslide in Pakistan and I was actually really enjoying killing it so I thought you know do you know what I think it's not romantic fiction it is something a little bit darker and then the next impulse came up it seemed to be nothing to do with writing at all Um, we have a hawthorn tree a lone hawthorn tree on our farm and um, in Irish culture it's also I think in Scottish culture as well uh, folklore that that would be the home of fairies fairies would be found close to that tree you shouldn't touch that tree you should let that tree stand you should revere that tree you should never use the f word the fairy word close to that tree (laughs) so I decided I'd go on a a fairy hunting adventure so I'd stake it out properly so went on YouTube I did all the research necessary on YouTube the place to go for fairy hunting and we staked out this tree at the right times of day so um, evening twilight morning twilight and visited this tree and honestly I was a little bit scared Um, but nothing actually happened obviously nothing happened sorry no fairies appeared that you know well, there was fairy, fairy activity, I have to tell you, Janice, because when I went to sleep, we were camping in the back of a van. When I went to sleep, I had this dream and it was a story in its entirety. Cool. And um, I got up the next day, my hat had disappeared. So something had been taken in trade. Right. And I wrote that story down and sent it off to a publisher. And the publisher said, oh, this is really brilliant. If you send us the rest of the book, we'll consider it. I thought, what do you mean the rest of the book? <laughs> the rest of it. <laughs> what do you mean the rest of the book? There is no rest of the book. So, uh, you know, there's a bit of toing and froing. They said, I'll write another story. I thought, I don't know. I don't know if I could do this. So I said to my husband, take me to some places where you think there's magic in the air, where you feel totally connected to nature and all that kind of magic yeah. stuff. And he said, fine. So I contracted with the fairies. I said, look, come on. Uh, let's do a deal. Uh, I'm going to really, you know, make life, I'm going to make you look really good. Yeah, yeah. You just like grew up some stories. So my husband took me to these places and actually to write those stories, I had to be deeply connected to the place. I know every inch of the places that I visited. I know the folklore. I know about the nature. I know about the history. I know about all the family names in the graveyard. So what my unconscious mind was actually trying to do, it really wasn't about writing a book, although I've become a professional writer and I write for theatre and write my own shows as a result of that. Um, My unconscious mind was actually trying to make me at home. To make me at home in the in the kind of way where you know you feel so at home because you've seen that tree every day of your life you know the smells the sounds the cycle of nature what each tree and plant looks like at various times of the year and that was concentrated into six months of frenzy while i wrote the rest of the book and um so for me that whole year even though it looked like i was just messing about actually there was a part of me that yearned to put down roots because like you I spent my whole life traveling I never stopped still my parents moved around a lot and I got itchy feet literally after a couple of years I just had to move Where next? Yeah. yeah and I'm and I got myself in a situation by marrying I ended up marrying this farmer but their feet are so deeply I'm planted just... in the ground unless I divorce him I'm not going anywhere yeah. so there was a part of me that said right okay let, let, let's get your feet in the ground here and let's make sure that you're doing, you're in touch with what it is you're supposed to be doing. And, and that really was, was the beginning of what unfolded over and the following years. Yeah. I love the way that you've explained that because it's like 
you intrinsically took on everything from the land and the culture that you needed to so it became a part of you so that you could share that out literally yeah yeah and I, I think uh, as an outsider so you know as a storyteller that's and I, I wove into the stories stuff from my own cultural heritage so it's, it's a fusion um and just like medieval storytellers would do, they would take some of their own local stories and weave them with the destination stories, the places where they had ended up. Um, yeah. And it means that, you're, yes, I'm an outsider and in a rural community, I'm going to be outsider for 300 years. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt about I that. <laughs> yeah, it does take time, but I feel more of a sense of belonging and I feel also that I've gifted some of what I brought uh, when I uh, I arrived here yeah absolutely because you're I mean you're you're sharing your viewpoint from your different spaces that you've been to and actually you're sharing that within your community if they're open to the share yeah. right and that's and that's all it is really being open to that share so how does your how did your husband um vibe with this he was like yeah this is just what jane does so he just goes with it there's never any well we, just... we made, well you were there at the beginning we actually yeah, met at the beginning at the beginning yeah. so in 2009 you know this was a blind date that i was prepared yeah, to go on you and um so i just i just turned up we we agreed to go on a camping and climbing trip together i turned up at the airport in derry he turned up in the top hat and tails and the rest is history. So it, that was the, that was our sort of understanding of, of how our, like the quirkiness of your characters came together in a beautiful way from the start. That yeah, so we're very, very part. different. Yeah, he's very, very quiet. I'm not very quiet. Um, and so he's quite a calming influence uh, on me, although and, and yes, I think that's true. That I, I that my, so my desire, that sort of kinetic frenzy in me to move, yeah. um, has now been channeled into, you know, back into sport and physical activity. So I have no itchy feet. I don't no. have itchy feet uh, anymore. And I think that also is something to do with you know the stage in life I'm at you know so I'm postmenopausal. my view of the world has completely changed my view of what's important has completely changed um so so yeah so and the things that I did everybody thought oh well she'll just carry on writing and I do do write still and and my book got turned into a piece of theatre which I um was part of the creative team for as well and and that helped me learn about how theatre works and I did some professional um, physical theatre training as well. Um, but that's a strand that, you know, that's kept going. And I've then continued to follow this impulse, which has really, really kind of narrowed down over the last couple of years. Um, and that also brought me full circle. So I, I think, you know, your, I think, because your daughter, you know, she's, and I think my, and my son that, you know, they're at that, age in life where they're kind of just starting out and finding yeah. their feet and um I'm back to finding my original shoes that I started off at I think I wish I'd realized I was going to do this because I would have yeah. stayed here you know in these shoes all along so yeah. I very much come full circle it's um, really it's it's interesting though the way that the journey takes us so when we were talking off screen before and I was sort of saying you know this whole year you know and now my daughter having a baby is encouraging me to think oh my god the two things that I said will change everything have happened parents gone daughter's had a baby what am I going to do am I being brought home yeah and it, and it feels very much like that um yeah it feels really comfortable as well to be considering mm -hmm. that it doesn't yeah. feel frightening anymore whereas if you like last year you know it was kind of like oh gosh imagine living back in England all the time or imagine being more in England than not in England and it was still kind of like that and now I just think well actually almost like walking in my father's footsteps last weekend or the weekend before last I was on a drumming retreat here so here here in my little village in the middle of nowhere we now have people who've set up a retreat place and they do shame and stuff and and I was like 
they've done this for me I literally feel like it's been yeah. done. <laughs> they've made this for me so that actually I don't have to go all the way over there or all the way there I can feel comfortable yeah. and it's really interesting what you've just said because I feel very much like I'm kind of returning to this space from whence I came yeah I've got all this other goodness and all this other juice yeah. to make it okay and you've got I think also that understanding now that comes with age that all everything that you've experienced is always with you so so you yeah. always connect you'll always be connected to Antigua and what what it's offered to you, you can always draw on that and I think it's it's a gift in life if you um, realize that whatever you've put in the pot stays in the pot. It's yeah. it's not a linear thing. It's it's always yeah. there that can be mishmashed up in so many different ways, and it's still you. Yeah, it's the way that we can dip in and out and use it, isn't it? So I, I I've got I've got to talk about the exercise. This massive thing that you had this focus on exercise. I mean, I know that that had always been there, but what has made it so important for you? Well, I, so, and I thought, you know, it's so, isn't it weird that we're having this conversation now and you're talking about your dad? So my dad, um, he, he was a, a runner. He was at lots of things. He played squash and, he, you know, in that, he used to organise, you remember Superstars from the 1970s? Yeah, yeah. used to have Superstars yeah. competition. I thought, this is shit. I was absolutely rubbish at everything, rubbish at sport, at school, but I had this big drive for community contribution. So when no one would volunteer to represent the school or represent, you know, it was the, the time when they used to have houses that were in competitions with each other. Yeah. Even though I knew I was completely rubbish, I couldn't help myself. I used to volunteer and I was tiny. And I, I remember one really humiliating sports day when I was putting the shot and it landed on my foot. Like it was that bad. And yeah. I did the high jump and I was out on the first thing because I actually ran under the bar. It was that bad. And I was slow clapped in the swimming pool because I was that bad. And sport for me, um, had strong associations with my dad who's so brilliant at it and my brother seemed to be brilliant at it as well but in hindsight um, the idea wasn't that I was so bad at it is that my focus was elsewhere so I was an academic child and I saw everything through one that that particular that prison yeah and when I left home and went and started work I started running and doing aerobics it was the you know the thong generation yeah. had the thong I loved it yeah. um and I used to go after work and I really enjoyed the you know social aspect and um, my dad would go around the country running races and I thought well I'm going to try and I did a 10k and then half marathons and then it became that we would travel around the country and, and my dad would race, I'd be in the race. My first husband had a few of those, but this is my first one. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would come and race as well. And, you know, I hadn't worked out at this stage, you're actually supposed to train or there was any kind yeah. of structure. Um, but I used to love Just it. And, I, and I'm, I realized in hindsight, that was a kind of way of connecting with my dad, you know, keeping in touch yeah. with my family, we had a common interest. Yeah. Um, and I, um, when I moved to Scotland, I moved to Scotland with my husband, I got pregnant, I was told I couldn't have, you know, I couldn't have children for whatever reason, I tried all sorts of fertility treatment, had this unusual window, I call it, what do they call it, a window of fertility, that's right, okay. that randomly opened, got pregnant, then it closed again, and um, I thought, well, what am I, what am I going to do, you know, I was like eight hours away from my family, uh, doing what yeah. I'm doing now, so, you know, settling into a new community, and I trained to be a fitness instructor, aerobics instructor, personal trainer, trained in nutrition and weight management and was a part-time firefighter as well. So I had this adventure and then I had this passion, which it wasn't just about sport. It was about helping people, um, yeah. particularly women. And I did that for a couple of years until my marriage broke down. It's like almost impossible. You can't be a part-time, uh, you know, a, a firefighter, retained firefighter on 24-hour call-out when you know, you've got no childcare. And so I had to go back into corporate life, which was a bit of a mistake. So um, I think you, you've had the corporate experience. I had it when I went, left the university. Big mistake, not me. Stayed in it, shouldn't have gone. But I went back 
and that's when you know sport had to take a bit of a back seat mm. and so I kept kind of casual running in the background um but what happened recently so I'm in my mid-50s now so when I say recently probably just before I was 50 I just I just thought right okay um I think there's something for me about going through this phase in my life, menopause and beyond, the next phase, which feels really big. It's it's the first time I think I've been consciously aware that I'm going through a phase that's really important. So I, I didn't realize it when I was, you know, going through puberty. I wasn't consciously aware, you know, I wasn't consciously aware of all the, the key life stages, but this one I knew. Wow. It was important, and also, and it's that time um, where people your own age, uh, you know, start to not be so healthy. Yeah. You know, so not being around your parents then become frailer. You know, it's you know it's an important time, and that you that's the clock's ticking, and that your body may not be your own anymore, or it be or is going to change. I thought, right, so consciously it was I'm going to challenge all the preconceptions about what yeah. it means to be a menopausal or post-menopausal woman. But unconsciously, it was really about returning home. So yeah. um, I, you know, I, I was into, really into a sport and physical fitness uh, in the 90s and the 2000s, at the early 2000s. And so I then thought, well, I'm going to do another project. So my first project was 365 Days of Adventure. That was just generally finding my track and finding my... Yeah radar so how do I know if I'm on track and it's used to do this big expansive feeling and I know because of the person I am it's not all going to be the same thing so it's not just because I wrote a book doesn't mean to say I'm only going to write books no, you know absolutely. it's like there's, it's a thick track you know with lots yeah. of layers so I thought I'd dig a bit deeper and so th this returning home was I thought I'm going to do a project called old dog new tricks I'm going to choose some things that I don't know I don't know if I can actually do them because for me, it's not the goal isn't important. It's no. the process. process. Like, what am I going to get out of this process yeah. that's really fun? And so the first thing I did was put myself in for a grade eight musical theatre exam, having done no musical theatre before. And I did it. I got a distinction. And I thought, wow, well, the guy was trying to hide, hide the laughing because I think it was the first pantomime. I think everything I did was like a pantomime because they're used to having like, 17 year 18 year old girls and there's this 50 year old woman in a dressing gown being something out of Gilbert and Sullivan with literally like widow twanky uh, <laughs> pins in her hair I love it giving it a hundred percent yeah <laughs> and I thought yeah this it's the hundred percent thing it's that being all in gets you a long way and I think I know that unconsciously, but consciously I didn't trust how far I could actually go. Okay. <laughs> so that the rest of that year was all right, like, okay, feet off the brakes. How far can we actually go? What next? So I went from ultra running, that I had a background in ultra running, so running a very long way, so over 50 miles. Yeah. I actually ran 203 miles um, over nine days in 2010, that was. Anyway, uh, I thought rather than try track running, that's running really fast. So on short distance, which I thought, I'm, I'm not, if you look, if you saw me, you think, well, she wouldn't really be built for that. And she's never done it before. She was rubbish at school, <laughs> totally rubbish. So I trained. So what I did was immerse myself. Like you go full tilt. You live like an Olympic 400 meter, 800 meter runner. And um, anyway, so I got to this track me. I got to West Midlands Championships in Nuneaton. So two birds with one stone. I went to visit my parents. And it was like, <laughs> oh, what am I doing? Oh, what am I doing here? Everybody was in like their like professional kit. They're, I wasn't even in a club. I was in, in, in Northern Ireland. We have a unattached for older runners who aren't in the club so right. uh, you you could get to cheaper race okay. entries basically yeah I thought, what am I doing I had to run off blocks and everything and I had to ask people you know how does it all work because I've never been to one of these before and one of the, the stewards was very suspicious of me she said do you think you actually ought to be here <laughs> 
And you were and, like, yeah. yeah. And I had this, I can't remember what my number is now, but literally every time I was in two races, it was the call out in the loud hailer, runner, I think it was 37, runner 37, move your blocks. I was like, I was in the completely wrong position. And I was like, I was like laughing away, thinking this is hilarious. I'm going to come completely last. And uh, it was like one of these, um, you, there weren't enough people of each age group to run separate races. So you were all on the track at the same time. It could be 35, you could be 70, all in the same race. So you didn't even know who you were running against. Cool. And so anyway, the gun goes, and I think it was, I think it was 800 meters first, which is two laps of the track, which doesn't sound long, but it's like, honestly, it's like an ultra marathon when you're going past. <laughs> And I was running along and I was like way behind and I was thinking, I was laughing. I thought, Jane, what happened? What are you doing? You idiot. <laughs> I was laughing. You are such an idiot. Why are you doing this? And then there was like another part of me said, look, come on, get, get your arse in gear. Take the brakes off. And I actually caught up. I came second, got a silver medal, um, which is no mean feat because you have to, you, I could have come second, but run slowly. Yeah. Um, but you had to run over a threshold time. And then I, I did the same in the 400 meters. And I thought, there's something in this. There's something in this, not taking it too seriously, but going full out, all out, just oh, give yeah. it everything as yeah. I had for my training. And something surprising will happen. Something You'll be uh, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I was, I was pleasantly surprised. The next thing, uh, I did powerlifting and... Um, that was brilliant as well. Uh, so I lifted. I, I won my age group class. I, I remember was, watching you doing that and thinking, what is she doing? I, I won it. And do you know why I won my age group class, Janice? No, go on. I was the only one in it. Top tip. Yes. <laughs> Top tip. Enter things where people your age don't enter anymore and you do That's really right, well. I was so big. But having said that, I think I came second overall in my weight category. So I was only, I was behind a woman who was like 30, 40, 30 years younger than me. And for me, that's like, don't write off people just because they're older. Because yeah. for us, we have the experience. As we're old, we have the experience Absolutely. of going through hard stuff like childbirth, like relationship breakdowns, like, you know, illnesses, the death of family members, all this kind of stuff. When you get just, and you think all it is, all I've got to do is lift this up. Yeah. Down. That's all I love. This, I love the birth. Just yeah. lift it up, put it down. <coughs> down. That's it. And um, so that that taught me really what weightlifting taught me, powerlifting was you if you're consistent, if you show up and train and do what you're supposed to do, you will improve. And you keep doing it, you'll improve more and you will keep improving. And I'm still improving now. Um, so I use um, heavy weight training as part of the, the training I'm doing for my current sport. Mm. So I'm, I'm all buoyed up like this thing. And this is great. And the next thing I'm going to do is learn how to do butterfly because I'm, I can't do butterfly. I try to represent the school at butterfly. I can only do one stroke and then I had to go on to do backstroke because I couldn't do anything else. So yeah. right to this coach, he's a former butterfly champion of Ireland. And I said, look, you know, now, I did this for powerlifting and I did this on the track. And he said, yeah, Jane, this is butterfly. I'm not sure how far we're actually going to get. Yeah. I said, don't worry, don't worry. Just going to give it a go. And literally after a couple of sessions, he said, yeah, well, let's go for it. I think he... Um, <coughs> It, he understood that I, I would just go for it and I would keep going. Uh, so swimming, all swimming is technical sport. Yeah. And you don't get any transfer from aerobic fitness, from running or anything else into the water. It's a special it's a kind of fitness. Thing. Yeah. So it, it was, you know, it was tough. But I had, luckily, everything counted up until then. I had this massive pair of shoulders uh, and I had a mind that was like so tough because I was lifting things where I was thinking, I don't, you know, I don't actually know if I can actually do this, but yeah. I think my body knows how to do this. I'm just going to have to, you know, let my body take charge, get my head out of the way, just lift it up and put it down. Same thing with the water, just put my arms in forward and just follow exactly what this guy says. 
And yeah, so I competed against the former Kiwi International, a one-on-one -on -one race. And do you know what? I came second. <laughs> well done, you. Out of two. Yeah. <laughs> but I got a silver medal, Jonathan, that's when it counts. I mean, what? I think I was about 10, maybe 15 seconds behind, which is big, by the way, yeah. in the pool. Yeah. But I did it. And um, all those things together, I thought, you know, I just really love moving. I, I, you know, I don't know what it is, but I had accidentally had to improve my front crawl. So when I yeah. started the butterfly training, I could only do breaststroke. Right. And he said, well, you can't do butterfly all the time. It's too hard. You're going to have to learn to how to do front crawl. So I could only do 25 meters to start with without like collapsing, just making it to the end of the pool. And I was like totally out of breath. And by the end of like the three months, I, I'd improved a bit. So I thought, I'm going to have a go at an aquathlon. So I went to England to visit my parents and I yeah. did an indoor aquathlon. And I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, right, right that's it. I, do you know what I'm going to do? Okay, I'm going to try and get in the Irish aquathlon team. Okay, just and like that. I've never competed outside. I've never done any open water <laughs> swimming at all. So a sprint aquathlon is a 750 meter swim and so that's roughly about half a mile and yeah. a 5k run so it's they're fast yeah. um so uh i started actually training um my coach my swim coach or is also a, an irish triathlon champion and a triathlon a triathlon coach so he said yeah let's let's do it let's do it so i'm in the middle of doing this and then lockdown comes he says if you've got a bike i said it was in a shed i haven't been on a bike for about I don't know how many years, and I don't like biking anyway. I'm rubbish at it. He said, get it out and join in. We had Zoom sessions training. So uh, I accidentally then became a triathlete. So basically, there were no races last year. There was one race. Um, it was the Irish Aquathlon Championships, the national championships. I thought, well, I'll just give it a go and came second in range group, qualified for the world championships and the world championships should have um, taken place in Almere in Holland in September. They've been cancelled, but I maintain my qualification for 2022. So I'm going to the world championships and I've only competed in the open water once, but I am on a mission. So um, my, so obviously I, I have a day job. So I have yeah. to, I have to get up at half past five in the morning to squeeze everything in um i go to the, i'm in the pool at half past six I, I sometimes have to train have three training sessions a day but i my my aim over this coming winter so i've got a really long that's something i didn't have when i was younger when i was younger i don't know about you but i i felt like my time frames were quite small but yeah. i had to achieve things quite quickly i felt quite pressured whereas now when they said oh we've cancelled the world championships i'm thinking great i have actually got longer the whole time to prepare that's right and you know i've got some stakes that i can put in the ground already i'm thinking like for my winter training i want to come out of winter 21 22 looking like i've always been in the pool which is quite hard if you've not come from a swimming background to look like oh god she yeah but she's it's all right for her a natural habitat yeah look she she's obviously from a swimming background which i'm not and um to get my legs in shape so it's going to take it takes that's the thing I think that this is all teaching me is that some things, some chickens take a long time to come home to roost. But when they do, that roosting is a massive yeah. positive celebration. So it's taken me two years of swimming. And last summer I was swimming like five or six days a week. And that's not just random swimming, that's structured training and drill work for my body to suddenly think, oh, uh, yeah, she wants to swim. Two years. And I think that's because I'm a little bit old. It's taken longer for my body to learn. And so I'm prepared for my bike skills to take yeah. just as long. And I've been running for over 30 years. And so, you know, I can't expect um, instant, I can't expect the naturalness. And I'm thinking, no, I'm okay with not expecting that. I'm okay working for it. I'm but okay you know, for you do the work. And I'm okay, you know, to be pleasantly surprised that when it suddenly feels like, wow, that has suddenly changed. My body has changed shape. And everybody's saying, 
look, you know, you're too old really to start out now. That's not true. That isn't true, especially if you're crap to start with. So I, so if you're crap to start with, which I was for Simi, yeah, then yeah. you make massive gains really quickly, no matter how old you are. Absolutely. And so I, the message is like, start now. It doesn't matter. It really isn't too late. And the menopause, actually, the mind shift. So I, I think I'm lucky. I, I haven't had a single hot flush. Um, the only thing that for me is I don't sleep as well as I used to sleep. Right. And even even being physically exhausted, I don't sleep as well. But it, the gift to me is actually I don't care as much. What, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what other people think about me. And I'm really aware of how precious the rest of my life is. And that's what I'm going to do with it, what I want, even if it means getting up at half, half five in the morning. Yeah, because if, if you know that works for you, it's interesting talking about the menopause because I had a full hysterectomy when I was 41. So I feel like and then sort of working my way through that. And now when I'm, I'm listening to my friends and they're all saying, oh, my God, we're menopausal, we're premenopausal. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of did that a long time ago. But then obviously coming through it in different ways. But it's yeah. exactly as you were saying, our bodies are so different, but they've got such gifts for us. We've just got to understand the gifts that they've got yeah. for us, haven't they? And recognize yeah. them for exactly that and, and yeah. not be not be down on ourselves for it. And yeah, yeah and I don't you know, I don't want to belittle anybody who's who's going having, you know, symptoms which are you know uncomfortable yeah. or yeah, actually interfering with, with life. But what I would say that there is a gift in there and that is yeah. to do with the way you see life and uh, the opportunities that we have being a little bit older and having that idea that, you know, don't wait for other people to give you permission or yeah. just do it because life really is precious. Yeah. And I think I think that's something that's really, you know, when you're saying that, that, re that really sings to me because I've been living this life in the this is the only one I've got. So yeah. I'm not doing it for anyone else. And, yeah. you know, let, let's just do it. And that, that gift that you have, that I know other women struggle with sometimes, getting to this point where we don't care about what people think about the clothes that I choose to wear or whether my hair's done or this or that. It's not important because what's important is what's inside and what I do with that. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a really strong message that you've done brilliantly all the way through this conversation. You know, the juice that you bring, that enthusiasm and that absolute passion of just, yeah, just do it. I mean, I know lots of women are going to listen to this and guys as well. And like taking this passion and just saying, doesn't matter what the odds are supposed to be, I'm going to do this thing is just such a strong strong state of mind isn't it yeah and i think the other thing is like <coughs> being aware of what it is that is uh, and i know this word doesn't exist but it feels like the right, right word for me that's smalling your life down or trapping you in a in a world that's small where you didn't actually realize there's bigger stuff out there for you and that's our hang-ups about you know career um about our bodies you know are they the right size or not um, that's why one of the things I do is work with uh, people who are emotional eaters to try and help them uncouple their emotions from food. And because life becomes so small when you're worried about this kind of stuff or where you're, when you want your work so hard year after year after year and still find yourself trapped. And when you're living like that, you're completely disconnected from the bigger life that's always been there for you, the bigger buffet, the big party. And, um, you know, wh whether you do it when you're at menopause, whether you do it, you're 30, brilliant, but do it. And, do it. and just uh, for me, it was like, there's, there is literally more to life. There is, there's a bigger life out there. What's in it for me? Let me taste it. Let me have it all. Yeah. embrace it all I love that so that kind of brings me so is is your day job more of the coaching are you still doing all of those things yeah I still do all of the still do all of those things it's a long day I tell you it's a long day so I so I've got I don't know if it's just the correct term but if I put if anybody asks me who's what you know a sensible grown-up what I do yeah. that I have a portfolio business Okay, <laughs> that's the way I put it. Is, doesn't it. Do a little bit of everything. So, 
thanks to the uh, to my book um i do writing so i write for theater i write my own stuff i write i continue to write my books and storytelling and then coaching so i train people in nlp and hypnosis but i have um I've got a specialist field that I'm completely passionate about, which, and that's what I've returned to. So I've been doing it for about 21 years now, and that's working with women to help them have a more positive relationship uh, with their bodies and with food and to help them escape uh, the diet trap so yeah. that, you know, they can live a full life that's not dictated to by the way they, you know, that they feel about how they should yeah. look or how they should be eating. And the byproduct is they actually lose weight um, once they break out of the diet trap. So um, that's where my passion is. So I still do coaching and I run group programs. And to be honest, I thought the lockdown would be a disaster for me because a lot of my programs are in-person, small group programs and you'll know what it's like and you get the energy of the group in the yeah. room and that's what does a lot of you know you 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 your talent is managing the energy to get the change yeah. um and I thought this is this is going to be a disaster until zoom came along and I thought hang on a minute you can still it's it's so real it's so like being in the same room that actually you get the feelings you 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 if you can calibrate properly, you you can you can get you the energy the of the group. Yeah. So it's it's been a game changer for me. So I think I'm going to do more Zoom work. Um, so I've given from my personal projects. All I know is so. Uh, so in in my work with women and their bodies, I bring everything together. So it's the psychological aspect. Um, and the therapeutic aspect and then the factual knowledge aspects about you know physical activity nourishing yourself you know not going out to a restaurant and say what's what's the diet food here but actually you know, what's the most pleasurable thing I can experience right yeah. now you know like what normal people do Absolutely. um so oh, I've lost my thread a bit there um it's okay. You're normal. You're normal. You're normalizing how they experience life, right? And taking them out of the prison that they put themselves. Yeah, in. Uh, sort of, and prepare, uh, helping them to just kind of let go of the all the rules that exist about you should be doing this, you should be doing that, and learning them to trust the tracks that I've learned to trust. So yeah. putting them in touch with that and helping them identify, you know, well, what's my bigger, what's my bigger mission in life. Let me connect to that whenever I'm making choices around food and physical activity and looking after my body, let my bigger goal, let my mission, let my identity, my bigger expansive identity drives the bus here because, you know, that's going to lead you to a much bigger life. So, yeah. That's, that sounds awesome. So this means that you live a very full life, clearly. Every day. I live a very big life in a very small place. But how, awesome, yeah. how awesome is that? And you know, <laughs> how fresh and exciting and how full of enthusiasm and juice for life are you? It's and I hardly ever leave my kitchen, Janice. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got my gym, all my weights set up next to my computer. I don't even have to leave my kitchen and my life feels big. And I think for me, that's why lockdown was okay for me. And I know it hasn't been okay for everyone. And yeah. there've been difficulties, you know, with not seeing people in the flesh um, but I think this idea of being surrounded by this massiveness of life and yeah. all the possibilities that are always there you just have to look wherever you yeah. are and, I, and I, I think that's very that's very much the thing you know that yeah there's been people I'm one of those people who you know we've suffered through this but actually in a way I kind of don't necessarily feel like I suffered now. I feel like I learned a lot um, and sort of coming out of the other, si the other side of it, moving through it in different ways. And I think we, we've all had the chance to maybe stop and just think about what's important in our mm. life. And if we take note of that, we can live a much richer life. We've just got to take the note. We've got, the, we've got to be able to understand what it means for us, I guess. Yeah. So like, so do you think that you are going to change? You know, we're all coming out of lockdown. 
are you going to change the way you work or are you yet to be fully aware of what you're brewing <laughs> up you know there's a, there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of things going on in my life now where I'm kind of changing but you know the thing for me is I was doing a lot of online work to start with anyway so I was living in Antigua and I was doing my stuff there but I was working with clients all over so I was doing the zoom or whatsapp or skype calls anyway so there's those kind of things but I think the bit the bigger learning that I haven't delved into much but it's going to be a 52 conversation is I did a ayahuasca ceremony oh did you March and yeah that's been probably one of the most pivotal points in life to date Oh, look, so of course, suddenly I'm seeing Bruce Parry in front of me, Janice. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. wow. Could it, oh, sorry. I know the, I know this is, I don't know if this, this no, is off no. piece, but I'm so curious. Do you know what, Jane? It was, it's really strange. It's something that I'd always wanted to do. Hmm. So I've explored it and I thought, well, if it ever comes my way, I'll do it. And that's cool because I've just wanted to be able to go to that space. And then I found myself where I was back in Antigua and I was actually getting a little bit concerned because it was going to be my mum's first birthday without my dad. And then two weeks later, it was going to be the year's anniversary of his death. And I'm in Antigua. So I'm feeling guilt, but I also feel like I've been holding myself together for all of this stuff. And then a friend basically says, you know, we've got some shamans that have come and ayahuasca ceremony are you in and I'm like yes no hesitation whatsoever mm. um and it was just there's it's really strange because now I know what people are like because you watch the documentaries and you listen to people's experience and they often as not will say it's like there's life before medicine and then there's life after medicine and for me the the profoundness that came through that experience of I did 12 months healing but I also feel like I healed everything else that in, was in my past that needed a heal I feel like I've been into my future and dealt with any future pain and then I came back to this space where I'm just like wow this world is just beautiful mm. and don't get me wrong in in what I know to be about an hour and a half of the first ceremony I thought I was dying for an hour and a half yeah because I made this so it was done in the right way so you do the diet before and you set an intention and all that kind of stuff so my intention I thought was really simple I needed to know my dad was okay and that we were going to be okay so when I say that now I get this stupid smile on yeah. my face because I haven't realized that to know that he was okay would potentially mean dying to be able to straddle that yes so I literally had an hour and a half with loads of pain in my arms and tinglings and all this I mean and it is crazy because you sit there and you've drunk and it's all beautiful and you're waiting and then the world explodes <laughs> literally inside you it's like your brain just goes like this and everything that you see where you see all the psychedelic colors and all these sensations and synesthesia this is all going on and I'm like, my arms are aching and I'm forgetting to breathe. And I'm going, oh my God, remember to breathe. And then I'm saying to myself, oh, breathing's automatic, Janice, you can do this. And then I'm, and then I'm purging or something. And then I, I had this little wet flannel that I decided I need. And I've got this flannel on my face. And it's the only thing that letting, is letting me know that I'm still in some kind of reality that I know. And then it just goes crazy. And then every atom that I could see was an animal or a person. And it was just mind blowing, scary for an hour and a half. And then just so cathartically beautiful with conversations with people from my past, from now. And just this massive sense of, wow. I haven't even started to experience life yet, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, Sounds very brave. You know, you have, you, it literally is a leap of faith. Absolutely. I think, I think for me, there was no hesitation because I think on an unconscious level, I had been holding myself together so well over the past year 
through, you know, my dad dying at the start of the lockdown, being here with my mum, people not touching, hugging, not having a proper funeral, all of this stuff mm. had been being managed. And my thing was moving. Yeah, I was hiking, cycling, yogaing, hiking, mm. and that was my way. So it's almost like I recognised that I had to come to this point where something was going to stop me being this version of myself. And, you know, profoundly after when I was talking to one of the guys and he's like, well, how was it? I was like, oh, I was going to die. Da, 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 da. But then on the other side of that, just this, since, even since March, no ability to get really wound up by anything, no stress, no tears. I mean, four days later, it was the anniversary of my dad's dying. And all I could say was, wow, he's a celebration. He's everywhere. He's on direct download. We're breathing him in. What's the problem? Mm. and just this different sense of self so mm. it kind of feels like it's peeled back a corner of something that consequently other people have been saying well we've been waiting for you to recognize that you should be looking more at you know this is some stuff that you've got going on that's very you so mm. but yeah so so yeah very 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 profound and I'm kind of like, when can I do it again? Because now I know I absolutely want to explore. And it, is, the, is that the process that you, because um, it sounds to me when you're talking, it's like it kind of brings, I think that's the theme maybe of, the, of the, what we're talking about. It, bring, it brings you home really to the, like if you were a pool, right to the bottom of the pool, but absolutely. there's something holding you know holding the pool yeah. and that's where you would go next is it is it an ongoing process it, it feels very much like that I mean it's very big I mean obviously it's become very trendy and the people that we did it with and everything that I've been doing after is very much about the integration of that experience mm. because you know like like you we've done loads of training where we've been in altered states of consciousness but man until you I can yeah. honestly say this is like something else altogether yeah but such a profound sense of I, I get to live this life. And if I can take some of those experiences and be able to look at them through a different lens altogether. Um, yeah, this is just an opening. This is the start mm. of something else. And that's mm. very much the way that it feels. And I think it's helped me to not, to have no fear of anything that's to come. Literally, yeah. I feel like there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. So it, it, it also sounds like perfect timing, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. At, at the stage you're at in life, um, because I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? What? So that's, we don't think about our mortality when we're 20. So no, life's going on forever, life's going on forever. And then suddenly that, okay, life is not going on forever. Uh, yeah. Have I lived my best life? Uh, yeah. What am I supposed to do? Um, <coughs> what really counts? what's the end going to be like yeah and, um, and people you know that have said to me so when I you know Trampus one of our shamans he said well how do you know that you didn't die and I was like well because clearly a part of me a version of me definitely died mm. and, and 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 it is like there's no fear of that anymore there's just well how much more beautiful can life be what is there to learn how many more experiences that can be built into what's left in this life to take with me so yeah mm. kind of re really really profoundly interesting mm. in in different mm. in different ways but mm. yeah we went on a tangent then but that's okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh, you know, no, i was gonna like, say though the sense was it's, it's like bought you time as in like it oh, feels yeah. like so you've got all the time in the world that life's really expansive and yeah. you can take all the time you need. There's no panic. No. And it, and it very much feels like just, just do what I'm doing because it's okay. Yeah. You know, just do what I'm doing. And, and I get very much that from that from you as well, you're doing what you're doing and you know, it's okay and it's right for you and it's good for you. So just keep doing it. Yeah. And I, and I couldn't tell you why, apart from relying on this feeling that I've come to rely on that, when this feeling's present, I'm doing the right thing, whether I know it or not consciously. Absolutely. And that's the thing that you said right at the beginning. And I think that's really important for people listening that don't necessarily do the things that we do or have experienced them. It's about learning to trust your feeling. Mm. And, and, you know, when you trust that, you've pretty much, you've got it, haven't you? You've just got to follow it because you've got yeah. it. And, don't let, and, and you can start to, 
you just block out the noise of other people trying to tell you what you should be doing, how you should be doing it. It doesn't matter because you know intrinsically. You absolutely know. <sighs> it's been such a good conversation that I feel we'll have to have another one at some point. I want to hear about the next ayahuasca. Absolutely. Ritual. What is that what they call them? A ritual? Ceremony. A ceremony. ceremony. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of working on where that's going to be because it did also leave me with this massive, I really need to go to Peru and experience the whole rest of that thing. Mm. So we, we shall see. Mm. We shall see. So it's been amazing speaking to you and it's given lot people lots to listen to and think about. So what I'll do when this goes out, we share all your links and everything and I'll ask you to send us a great picture and then yeah i just want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to share you're welcome it's been great to catch up yeah we'll have to do it again won't we we'll have to have a specialist one maybe we could do maybe we could look at doing a special one for women to tune into you know specifically around what your passion is because i'm sure lots of women's ears have turped up yeah so that would be awesome thank you thank you so much Thank you, Janice. Thank you. Have a great rest of the day. I will. Take care. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's conversation. What did you get from it? Did you get any light bulb moments? Any aha? Remember to sign up for your free 52 Conversations Planner and to be the first to experience the latest conversation, visit 52convos.com. Thanks. And I look forward to connecting with you next time.